In today's show, we're talking Memphis Grizzlies with the host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We are here to talk Memphis Grizzlies today and to talk about the Grizzlies. I am joined by the host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Sean Coleman is here with me as uh, as you're greeted by a blank screen. There we go. Sean, welcome uh, welcome to the show. Josh, thanks for having me. One of the more legendary podcast intros with Michael Bolton, who sings my favorite Disney song of all time, and then some music that makes me want to go clubbing. It's a wonderful combination, but thank you for having me. Nah, no problem, Sean. Michael's been a longtime fan of, a, of the show. He's, uh, he's always here. Well, every episode ready to go, but we're going to talk Memphis Grizzlies in today's, so, uh, today's show. Sean, we've had about a million false starts here trying to get my audio and technical stuff fixed. I hope it's all right. I hope everything sounds all right to everybody and to you, Sean, coming through here. But let's start where I start all these shows with all of the hosts, and that's by telling us what your opening night starting five is for your Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I think that we're going to go with um, some uh, – pretty much try to get as much consistency as possible, go with as much certainty as possible in that starting lineup. It's Ja Morant, obviously, point guard, uh, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams. The things that stand out to you about this are Jaron, obviously, being back from injury last year, hopefully him being healthy, back to what he was in year two. And then from there, you've got the defensive duo that led a top 10 defense last year in Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson and see what you got with Steven Adams. How much potentially of a step back in production are you going to get without Jonas Valanciunas? But at the end of the day, it's all about what John Morant will do. Will he take that, you know, cliched, but obviously proven year three step that we all hope he will. Um, pretty good starting lineup, especially from a defensive perspective, I think. Yeah, and you are going to lose some offensive production by going from Valanciunas to Adams, but I guess the hope there is that Jaron Jackson provides that you know, offensive burst that you know, he, that he would have produced last year if he had have been healthy at all uh, during the season. So uh, I guess you're trading off there by getting Adams in yeah, for def- defensive purposes and, and hoping Jaron takes up that slack. But in terms of a bench rotation, this is a team that I feel like every year, Sean, we look at their team and go, well, for a start off, they've got like 18 guaranteed contracts, so guys are going to have to be cut at some point. This happens every season. And then they've got a, a bench rotation, which tends to be yeah, pretty tough to narrow down to 10, although there have been some moves by Zach Clymer to try and thin that out. So let's talk about who you think the uh, the five or the main five bench guys are going to be. Yeah, I think that we have a pretty good second rotation. As a matter of fact, I don't think it's far-fetched for me to say the Grizzlies are one of the best bets to have one of the best benches, if not the best bench in the NBA. But, of course, Tyus Jones, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, and Xavier Tillman. You know, And that's a pretty good lineup in and of itself. You've got, obviously, the, the production there You know, in terms of Tyus you know, being the floor general, but some really awesome step-forwards last year when it came to DeAnthony Melton and his shooting, Desmond Bain being one of the best natural shooters 
which the Grizzlies have had. And Josh, from a fantasy perspective, and something that's unique about this bench, very good defensive potential. An opportunistic defense, loves to create turnovers, loves to get out on a run. They can create an advantage, and the Grizzlies are going to need this bench to produce. Yeah, they are, and they are a really good bench. So we'll talk more about these guys uh, as we move on, uh, move on later in the show. But uh, again, just the trade out of Grayson Allen, I think, thins this out a bit because we had a, a time last year when there was like eleven guys, and there were people like DeAnthony Melton who were out of the rotation, or Desmond Bain would sit out games, which is just not going to happen this year. Yeah, injury, uh, you know, with injuries not being a factor there. Um, interesting that you don't have uh, Jarrett Culver in that rotation who came across in that Patrick Beverly trade. I agree with you. I don't really think Culver's a particularly good NBA player, but what's what's the plan with Culver coming across? It, basically, it's it's kind of going to be kind of what you're going to see with um, it, it, Zaire Williams, Santi Aldama, some others that they had. With Culver, I think basically the, the whole point is, is get him in the system. The Grizzlies have had one of the better development systems over the past two or three years. Get him in that. See what you can find with him. Kind of like Josh Jackson two years ago, Josh, where they brought him in. They, they had him play at South Haven a bit had him really produce. Now with Culver, you don't have the same off-the-court problems. But I do think that for the first few months of the season, you're going to see maybe Culver play at South Haven some, really see where the Grizzlies can improve his overall game. And then if injuries or ineffectiveness elsewhere comes into play, I think that's when you may see Culver getting minutes. But even with 10 deep, you've got John Conchar as your 11th man. And then you're probably going to have um, Zaire Williams be the preference for minutes as well for Culver. Yep, uh, I'd agree. Yeah, 100% with that. Yeah, Conchar's proven to be a guy that can come in and play those spot minutes. Uh, of course, yeah, Zaire and, uh, and Jared Culver haven't proven that yet. Uh, Williams being a rookie and Culver being bad. Let's talk about injuries. And really, you know, Jaron Jackson did return last season, so hopefully there's no problems with his knee moving forward. We all know the frustration with the Grizzlies reporting of injuries and timeframes and the absolute lack of those. But Jared Culver did end last season with an ankle injury. Is there any, any word whether he's going to be ready to go to begin this season? Everything that I've heard, haven't seen anything direct from the team or anything like that, but everything I've heard suggests uh, that he's he's pretty good health-wise. Uh, but also, that's another really big, you know, underlying, small yet significant storyline from this summer compared to last year is that the Grizzlies are relatively healthy. That was one blessing for the Grizzlies, you know, I, not making a deep playoff run was that they had everybody healthy when so many other teams suffered bad health issues at the end of last year. Good health is a really good storyline from this summer for the yeah. team as a whole. Yeah, look, fingers crossed that it can they can stay healthy as long as possible because we know yeah. that the last season they entered with uh, with Jackson injured. Um, it's now time for me to tell you about sweat block. Sean, it is the best product that you can get if you suffer from excessive sweating. And I know over in America, you're dealing with the tail end of summer, so it gets pretty hot over there. And a lot of people have to deal with a problem that can uh, frankly be embarrassing at times. And sweat block is the answer to those problems. It is doctor created, it is doctor recommended, one of the strongest clinical antiperspirants that you can find. Sweat block wipes, you put them on, you wipe your underarms before you go to bed, go to bed, go to sleep, wake up, have a shower, head off to work, head off to school, and that's it. It covers you for up to seven days. Maybe it's a twice-week application, but that is it with Sweatblock. One of the products, again, you just you have that problem, and it can be embarrassing wherever you are. No one wants excessive sweat. No one wants sweat stains on their shirts, and that's why Sweatblock gives you that dry shirt guarantee. If it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back, and you can save 20% by going to sweatblock.com and using the promo code Locked On. It's also available at Amazon. It's at CVS as well, but 20% off, sweatblock.com. Use the promo code Locked On, and you will, uh, you will thank me later. Did you know that um, 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? 
is that really all that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. So I'm introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes. Winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero shows you their lineup in advance so you know what you have to beat. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free. And right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That is unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. Okay, Sean, next thing that we need to go through, question for you. D'Anthony Melton. Now, everyone who listens to this podcast knows how much that I like D'Anthony Melton. Uh, A lot of people in the fantasy world uh, are aware of how good D'Anthony Melton is. A lot of people in the advanced statistical community know how good D'Anthony Melton is. It feels like Taylor Jenkins may be one of those people who doesn't know how good D'Anthony Melton is, and I say that somewhat facetiously, but every advanced metric puts him as almost like a top 50 NBA player, yet he goes out and plays 19 minutes a night. Now, they cleared out the runway by moving on from Grayson Allen, but there is still Tyus Jones, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, all of those guys who are going to be thieving minutes away from D'Anthony Melton. So I ask you this question, Sean. Is this finally the season? I don't think it is, but is this finally the season that we see D'Anthony Melton get you know, 25 minutes, which to me still probably isn't enough for what he's able to do? Or is he still going to be like languishing in that 19 to 21 minute zone? You would love to see it, right? Um, and, and I go with the starting lineup that I did because I think that's just what the Grizzlies are going to do to try to get some sort of consistency with what they know certain. But yes, the Grizzlies should give him 25 to 30 minutes. Will they? That's yet to be seen. Desmond Bain could have a bit of a preference. You know, Grayson and Bain ended last year during the playoffs and high leverage minutes, getting substituted first in the games. But with the Anthony Melton, it, there's nothing out there that you can look at that suggests you could go, should go a different direction. De'Anthony Melton is one of your five best players. At the very least, he needs to be there in closing lineups, and the numbers also suggest he's the most impactful player with jaw in terms of being a backcourt mate. If his shooting is sustainable to start the season, I think he works his way into that 25 to 30-minute range. Is it far from a guarantee? Certainly. But the Grizzlies have every reason to give De'Anthony Melton as much minutes as possible so they can see just how big of a role he'll be for the present and the future in a year where they really need to figure out what they have in their young core. So why why haven't they been doing that? Because yeah, I, I would argue that yeah, at times he's more impactful than what Dylan Brooks is. I know people love Dylan Brooks and his you know, gunner uh, attitude, which is just take every shot possible and miss majority of them. But to me, Melton yeah, fits perfectly alongside what um, what Ja Morant can do. Yeah, Melton might be a point guard. He's a shooting guard. He's just a guard, basically. He's just a guy that goes out there and produces good offense and good defense. But why in the past has he been... Um, I guess not out of favor necessarily, but you know, pushed behind Brooks, Allen, Bain, not really Jones. He sort of stepped ahead of Jones last year. But why Why do you think this year is different? The reason why I think that this year is different is because last year going into the minutes, you didn't have the expectation that De'Anthony Melton was going to have that shot that Taylor Jenkins put so much pre- preference on. With Dylan Brooks, it's the ability to create his own shot. With Grayson Allen and Desmond Bain, it's obviously the ability to consistently hit the shot. But when De'Anthony Melton came out and started shooting threes and was able to remain somewhat consistent, at least before mid-April, that's the reason why he saw his expanded minutes. And it's unfortunate because every time it seemed like De'Anthony Melton was finally getting into 
you know, good run of being in the rotation, he got a bit injured. And so hopefully this year, health will be on his side. But I think the difference between this offseason going into this year versus the past two is you know that his shot has good potential. And if he can show his shot to support his defense, you've got every reason to put him in the, in the lineup and put him in there for good. Yeah, look, I'll talk about this when I do the Grizzlies, the more fantasy-focused show later on. I would be... He's interesting, definitely. If he plays 25 minutes, he's like a top 100 fantasy guy, as people will know. Yeah, I think your chances of getting there is probably less than 50%, but there's always someone that we have to monitor to see exactly what they do. I'd love to see see it happen. Um, I'm still waiting for Taylor Jenkins to yeah, fully believe in the DeAnthony Melton direction, but we will see how that goes. But let's pivot from the guards to the big men, and let's talk Stephen Adams. You had him as the starting center. Do you think that that is a lock that he is going to be that starting center all season? I could make an argument that you could throw Xavier Tillman in there next to Jaron Jackson. You could start Jaron Jackson at the five, which we saw happen in the playoffs at times. Um, It will play at the five a lot more in the playoffs next to Kyle Anderson and get an extra wing in there, whether that is Bain or is Melton. So while Adams comes across, there's no... Yeah, it's not like they invested to get him. They He was part of a deal to get that number 10 pick. They weren't like, we need Steven Adams. He sort of came across as part of that part of that deal. Is there a chance that you, or maybe you think it's Brandon Clark that could push into that starting line? But do you, yeah, well, I do believe Adams starts opening night. How how married to that lineup do you think uh, they will be? And what is their, would their 1B option be in terms of starting center? Yeah, no, and the thing that I think that comes out is, is making sense for the Grizzlies is the, what they're going to be, as you put Mary too. Again, like I mentioned, is certainty. With Steven Adams, you know what you have in him more than you have other players. And I think that what the Grizzlies hope is that their other front court options push the envelope. I honestly feel, and in terms of their closing lineup, I don't think Steven Adams will be a part of this. The best lineup for the Grizzlies is Job, Melton, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and Jaron Jackson Jr. That's where I think you need to shift Adams out and put Melton in or potentially Bain. But I do think that Tillman could look to make a couple of pushes to start. You could see Adams kind of, you know, work his way back um, in the rotation kind of his midseason, especially if Clark and Tillman were to play well. But yeah, Clark and Tillman could really push, but the hope for me, and I, from hearing you and talking with you before, Josh, the hope for many, DeAnthony Melton actually making the push, and Jaron showing he can play the five to where the Grizzlies will start, Jaw, Melton, Dylan, Kyle, and Jaron. I think that's the ultimate goal. I think last season, maybe, you correct me if I'm wrong here, Sean, that I'd say Brandon Clark was a bit disappointing, maybe took a step back from his rookie season. Um, he did battle a groin injury to begin the season. He never sort of got back into his groove. How would you put the race between Clark and Tillman as their, I won't say center of the future or big man of the future, but in terms of you know, priorities between those two players, who do you think has the edge at the moment? Tillman. And, and the reason why is because I think he's a t- more trusted in a couple of areas. Number one, he's trusted in that he can do things outside of just score on a consistent basis. He can pass. He can defend. He can shoot the three better, which is what Taylor Jenkins puts a higher preference on when it comes to those big men. I still do think Clark has a higher ceiling. But I do think also you see that if his shot's not there, if that efficiency from his rookie season is not there, does he significantly drop in terms of value? And I think you can make an argument, yes. So to me, Tillman probably is ahead, though I'd love to see Clark, you know, show off his ceiling this year. I think it's pretty – I think uh, Tillman has a higher floor and just right now is more trustworthy as as the go-to option is the third big. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think it is Tillman that has pushed ahead of Clark after his rookie season. I think he's a better passer as well, better better ball mover, and uh, probably a better defender. As much as I do like Clark, he did he did stagnate or, or step back a little bit last season. I thought with Tillman was really impressive in the starts that he's made when uh, Valanciunas was out for those uh, for those few games. Sean, it's now time that everyone the time everyone waits for when I ask my my uh, guest whether they know how to fix their own car. Uh, no, no, no. Luckily, I have family that does. Yes. Okay. This is great. I'm on, a, I'm on a real streak here of guest hosts who don't know how to fix their own car, much like me, which is awesome. I feel in good company. But if you do know how to fix your own car, you're not going to waste your time going to a local chain auto parts store. You've got Rock Auto. You've got access to Rock Auto on your phone, in your pocket, on your computer at home. There's no point waiting and paying more money at a local chain auto parts store. Why would you spend 30, 50, 70, 100% more on those same car parts? So go to rockauto.com. Check out their extensive catalog for all of the parts available for your car or truck. Find what part you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go check out that expansive catalog. Find the parts that you need for your car or truck. And in there, how did you hear about us box? Right, locked on so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Last question for you here, Sean. Jar Morant. Okay, we saw Jar Morant uh, suffer that really significant ankle injury to begin last season. He came back and he was, I would say, uh, underwhelming, a little bit disappointing throughout the regular season. People who had him in fantasy would be well aware of that. He wasn't able to finish the season as a top 100 player. He took steps back in his overall field goal percentage. His free free throw percentage stepped way back. Um, yeah, He's still not a volume three-point guy. He's still not a good defensive stat sort of a player. But then we saw in the playoffs, he he did really you know, take it up to to the next level. He was his scoring was really really high. He started to hit threes at a higher level. Um, were you, as a Grizzlies person, I guess not disappointed in Jar Morant's second season as, as regular season because he was still really good? But did he not take that level that, that next step up that you hoped and? Did, was that step what you saw in the playoffs? And what does he need to do consistently this year? to be able to push to that consistent playoff level that we saw. Yeah, and, and I could easily see it being disappointing, but I think that it's not necessarily uh, because he didn't take that step. I just don't think that there was as big of a stretch or sample size that many would have loved to have seen that step. It didn't happen really until April. As a matter of fact, I, I think I've, I've quoted this stat a few times, uh, Josh, is that I think over the final two months of the season, you know, Jaw averaged seven, uh, Jaw and Drew Holiday were the only players that averaged 17 or more points, seven or more assists, one or better still per game while shooting 37% or better from three. You get that type of jaw, you get a good fantasy producer. And I do think that he's going to be able to produce at that level. He may not shoot 37% on the year, but I do think that he's a good bet to shoot better than 35%. I think you see him push 20 points a game. I see him probably pushing eight assists per game. He's not going to be able to offer a lot of defensive upside, but overall, I think with the Grizzlies really wanting to focus on trying high percentage shots from distance, but also featuring Jaw off of screens from Stephen Adams, allowing for Jaw to be able to create a bit more on his own. His usage has always been there, but the effectiveness with that usage, I think, is going to be higher. So I do think that you're going to see more of the Jaw that was in the second half of the season when he really did perform well and when he really was able to take that step, knowing when to be the main scorer, knowing when to be the engine to facilitate. He can do both those things. And so I do think that he's a very good bet. I think he'll be good value where you might get him in fantasy drafts. 
In terms of that shooting at the, the uh, you know, last two months of last season, I'm just bringing the numbers up now. He's, he still was in that time, despite you know that improvement. He still was the 132nd ranked fantasy player during that time uh, because he, sh- he was shooting 68% from the free throw line as well. Um, but it's more volume of the threes. Is he, do you think there's a chance that he gets that confidence to start instead of you know, taking three or four a game, that he's taking six or seven per game and getting that volume up? Or is that just never going to be his game? Well, it did towards the end of the year. I didn't see that it, the numbers, like for instance, I believe in the Golden State game, in the playing game, he took 10 threes, I want to say, in that game. Yes, I do think that the threes will go up. I think that that's one of the things the Grizzlies want to see him do. They want to see Ja take five to eight threes per game. Now, will he consistently do that? Probably not, because he's going to he's going to put a lot of effort into setting up his teammates who are better three-point shooters than himself. But do I think you could see Jaw take a step to where he's averaging four, five, six threes a game this year? Certainly. And I do think it will continue to get, improve as the season goes along as he gets more comfortable in the role they're expecting him to play this year with more responsibility than ever. I do think you can settle on about four to six threes per game with a good, with a good bet that he'll probably make 35% or better on those efforts. I do agree. I think he will take more threes this year. I think he will improve from where he was last year. I'm not sure that his improvement is going to catch up necessarily to where he's being drafted in some fantasy spots, but we'll talk about all that more on the uh, on the fantasy show that I do later on uh, today. But Sean, that'll bring us uh, bring our time to an end. Thank you for coming on, chatting Grizzlies with me here. And of course, all Grizzlies news you're going to have covered for us over on Locked On Grizzlies five days a week. Thank you for uh, jumping back on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Always a pleasure, Josh. Thank you. Have a good one. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app while on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Ring the notification bell. We've got so much coming today. I'm telling you, I don't even know when, which order this show is going to be put up. But there's mock drafts. There's fantasy shows. We're talking about the Pelicans as well today. You're going to have five shows coming out today. So loads of stuff coming your way. That'll do it for us. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.